This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to Cherry Picking, Cherries fans. Hope you're all well. And it's been a while since we've done this, but he's still here. Here is our main man, Manny. How you doing, Manny? All good, Craig. All good. And it has been a long time. I've been waiting to come back and do a little picking. And uh, there's certainly a lot of uh, cherries to be picked. Maybe a few bones. And uh, yeah, let's get picking. That's all I can say, really. Well, I tell you what, let's start off with, there's been so much time between our game with Spurs in the Premier League to this game this weekend against Liverpool. Um, it's just felt, you know, well, it'll be interesting to get your take on it as well, because in a way, a lot of people will look at this as players arrested. The African Cup of Nations hasn't really had that much of an effect on us. And that we should be fresh, raring to go. But on the spin side, Manny, do you feel that, you know, the momentum we was having, yes, we got beat by Spurs in that last Premier League game, but the momentum we had, do you feel that that might be lost or do you feel that that break has probably done the team some good? I would say, you know, it has. Obviously, it isn't really, um, you know, ideal to lose um, a game before a break like this. And uh, you definitely want to, um, you know, go into the break having won your game. But I'd like to think that after the excellent run that you had under Iriola, a defeat to Tottenham will give you a chance to analyse where you went wrong. Yeah. Because let's take, let's take a look at everything. I mean... It is quite fair to say, and I do not want to jump the gun or tempt fate, but you pretty much have guaranteed yourselves survival, and I'm sure you'll be looking to try and go a little bit higher up the table. And now that everything seems to have um, clicked or started to click under Iriola, you'll be looking to try to um, maintain that um, formula. There will be some occasions, like the Spurs game, for example, where the formula might not work. Several chances um, you lot had. I believe you had a goal that was disallowed near the end for offside. Um, it wasn't Atara because I think he had gone off with an injury. Um, fortunately or not, he was able to make the Burkina Faso squad for the um, AFCON. So I think you've said it perfectly. Not too much in terms of 
um, that tournament having affected you lot very much. And um, yeah, I think that's going to be an opportunity for Iriola to analyze what exactly went wrong during that game and what can be done. The only problem is, um, you know, with the defense being an issue again, while it is good to see um, Marara Neto coming back to something like the form he showed um, during last season when he um, put in some fine performances and was rewarded with the captaincy under Gary O'Neill, I think um, he is still capable of a shaky moment here or there. The fact that Lloyd Kelly is now injured and you still have and you got a bit of a crisis at left back doesn't really help. So the window could be an opportunity to really um, talk about maybe not not necessarily so much in terms of player outgoings, but who could possibly come in. And all I can also say is um, the injured players that you have on your roster cannot come back into the team soon enough. I know you've got Alex Scott in. Not that Alex Scott, yeah. obviously, but another one. And uh, I can't wait to see Tyler Adams play. USA captain. He's been out too long. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And, you know, it'll be good to have Tyler Adams back. You know, he shows so much promise. He's good. You know, he was a good player for Leeds. You know, he was an outstanding player. Um, you know, I did question why we signed him because we needed bodies at that time, you know, earlier on in the season. But I do believe that, you know, we've got a sign in our hands that, you know, can really propel the club forward even more. And everything's coming together. But, you know, I always, I said before this game against Liverpool, and I've said it to Peter Hooten from the farm, do go and watch that after this show, guys. Um, you know, I did say to him that this is probably the perfect time to play Liverpool because Mo, no Mo Salah, you know, of course, lots of injuries. And then I thought about our own defence. And, of course, Kirkes injured. Max Aarons, is he going to be back and fit? We shall see. You know, that left-back position, if Max Aarons is back, you've got to say that probably Smithy is going to move over to the left-hand side. And then we've got the centre-back pairing. Zabarnier is going to definitely be a shoe-in. But, of course, Marcos Senesi is suspended for this game against Liverpool. And that is going to put it on to Chris Metham's shoulders. I would be surprised if it's anybody else. But... Metham hasn't really shone too much. There was a point at the start of last season, and again, it was something that I was knocked for by a couple of people in the Bournemouth community, um, that I didn't think that Metham was up to the quality of the Premier League. I think he did well, you know, last season. But again, that same, you know, concern is in my head because the performance against QPR was not good from Metham. Um, and, of course, he is a player that could be leaving. Um, and we'll come on to the people that could be leaving in a moment. But do you feel that it's going to be a bit of a makeshift defence, you know, with the injuries we've got? And it, it's felt like that against Spurs. Um, and, you know, moving forwards, we need to get Kirkes back. We need to, you know... Um, is Watara going to play a left back? I don't think he did a terrible job, actually. I think, you know, he was decent enough. But, you know, do you feel that it's going to probably be a makeshift defence again? Well, it is going to be. But for a, 
the next couple of games, really. You know something, Craig? When it comes to makeshift defences as an Arsenal fan, sadly, I'm pretty um, you know, well-versed with that because we're in a situation right now where we've got several of our defenders either injured or out of action. We've got um, our Tommy Gun, Takahiro Tomiyasu, playing for Japan in the Asian Cup. Um, uh, we've got Urien Timber injured. We've had to um, have uh, Jakub Kivior, the Polish centre-back, deputising at left-back. Left-back's always a troublesome issue. I mean, we saw it fit to loan Kieran Tierney out to Real Sociedad. And uh, he's pretty much um, shot down all possibility of coming back to us. I think it's fair to say that he is not fond of Mr. Arteta. And uh, to be brutally honest, I wouldn't blame the the poor bloke. And, you know, we also had an issue where last season, because we lost William Saliba, we had to have um, Rob Holding, now, of course, at Crystal Palace, and and that poor bloke was also injured, and Kivior deputising, and neither of them really were able to, um, you know, cut the mustard when it mattered. So... Everything seems to be makeshift. And when you have a manager who is also rather, um, you know, eccentric enough, for want of a nicer word, to play Thomas Party at right back because yeah. he wants that inversion, you know, having a makeshift defence is not fun. And there have been times when fellow high flyers, Aston Villa, have had to feel something like a makeshift defence as well. I mean, at one, one occasion, they had John McGinn playing at left back. Um, never again is what he would say. And... Um, you know, losing um, the former Cherry, uh, Tyrone Mings, has definitely not helped. That poor fellow, I think, will be out for the whole season. So yeah. without him, that leadership at the back is not really there. And, uh, I mean, I know that they do have the world champion, Emmy Martinez, in goal. And he does try to dictate to his back four. But sometimes, you know, when it comes to the likes of Pau Torres and Diego Carlos, uh Positionally, sometimes they may not be the best. And whenever you have a situation where Luca Digne may be injured or an Alex Moreno can't be, uh, can't, be, uh, can't be selected, they may also have crises of their own. They've had Esri Consa playing at right-back, despite the fact that he's a much better centre-back than right-back whenever Matty Cash has been suspended so, or injured or whatever. So they've had to deal with makeshift defences. Um, even Liverpool have been forced to play Joe Gomez at left-back due to injuries to... Andy Robertson and um, Shimikas. I think your friend on that podcast must have told you that. Mm-hmm. Gomez, in fact, is, is a deceptively good right back. But due to the presence of one Trent Alexander-Arnold, he may never get to play uh, often at right back or certainly have a run. So he's now been asked to deputize at left back on occasions. And, and with Trent being picking up an injury, uh, they've, he's had to bring, Klopp has had to bring Connor Bradley in. So either one of those two would have to um, play at right or left back. They could switch. I think Bradley's been used on the right and Gomez on the left. So having a makeshift defense is definitely not fun. And you have these teams who have somehow found a way to try and uh, make do with what they possibly have. Liverpool, of course, is still still top of the league. Aston Villa are flying quite high under Unai Emery. So Iriola is just going to have to try and um, find a way. And it will very much be a makeshift defense. Um and let's not get any ideas that we, even without uh, Mohamed Salah, Liverpool will necessarily be weak. Because mm-hmm. although Darwin Nunes has been inconsistent, Liverpool can always um, call on the likes of Luis Diaz and Cody Gakpo to um, strengthen the front line immensely. Their midfield is still quite strong. They've got um, Ali Mack, Alexis McAllister very much back running the show. 
Shabozlai, I don't know if he's injured, but if he isn't injured and fit, then that could be a bit of a problem. So having a makeshift defense, all I can say, is definitely not fun. And, you know, I don't even know what the situation is with your injuries. I mean, you, you did say that um, Max Ahrens is out and, um, you know, you don't have Kirkies or uh, yeah. Kelly. And uh, Mepham coming back may not necessarily be the best idea. Yeah. Of course, let's also cut Mepham a bit of slack. It's never going to be yeah. easy coming back into the team um, after a long layoff. So it could very well be that, uh, you know, Iriola may have to stick and twist with him in the team. He, it might very well be that you're just going to have to pick the best um, back four or back five and see what you can do. One thing which I can say, though, is that um, if you do go in with a back five, you could perhaps um, have a few um, issues. In fact, I want to take a look at the um, uh, reverse picture that was played earlier when, you know, you lot um, lost 3-1 yeah. at Anfield. I do seem to remember Neto saving a Salah penalty only to uh, uh, concede the rebound. And mm -hmm. uh, I just want to take a look at the... Uh, yeah, that was also a game where Ali Mack saw red. But, yes. Uh, the Liverpool still went on to win, and uh, Jota, in fact, scored the uh, winning goal after 62 minutes. But uh, Semenyo did actually score for you uh, as early as the third minute. And if we take a look at the uh, formation that was uh, applied, well, it was a 4-2-3-1. And uh, Senesi was there. Kirkis was at left-back. Ahrens and Sabani were in the defense. I just don't seem to know if um, uh, playing a back five would uh, be the best uh, way to go, though, because could it... Could it um, it's bad enough that you may have to field a makeshift defense. I don't even, even know if you have enough defenders to create um, a back um, five. And you had um, Ryan Christie and Jake Rothwell as defensive midfielders. And yeah. uh, Brooks came on as a substitute. There's a part of me that thinks that uh, maybe... Um, was there a game where you played Billing as a defender? I seem to remember him playing in the back some time ago. Um. We played Watara in defence, of course. Um, that was against Spurs. I'm trying to think, actually, um, because earlier on in the season, I think, you know, we were... Um, I'm trying to think which game. I, I don't think you're wrong with that. But I think, you know, with regards to, you know, where we are at the moment, and, you know, the defence has been solid, you know, for... A number of weeks, yeah, we conceded three at Spurs, but you know, the defensive performance against Fulham was excellent. You know, we conceded two against Forest, but you know, before that, the Crystal Palace game, where I don't think really we got out, you know, got into our full flow, but it was a, such a good performance. And of course, you know, who can forget the Man United win? So you know, our defence has been solid, but I just worry now that, you know, this, with Kirkes being injured, you know, you know you've know, you got um, Senesi now out suspended. You know, I think that it's, it's going to be a game which is going to be tough because it, it just, 
it just doesn't feel, you know, it feels like we've got, when everybody's fit, a solid back line. A solid back line that is dependable. They know know what they can, you know, have to do. They know Iriola's style. You know, I've always said, you know, the best the best teams, you know, defend well. And you know, I know it's only a computer game, but you know, Football Manager, for example, you know, it's normally quite accurate. But you know, I've started doing that, taking that up, and you know, my priority on there is to defend well. You know, because if you score one up the other end, one nil wins. But you know, coming back to real life, you know, I think defensively we've we've been solid, we've been solid, and now. I just worry because Mepham wasn't brilliant in that game against QPR. Um, he's probably a little bit rusty. You know, there is transfer speculation over his head at the moment as well. Um, there's quite a few concerns, you know, going into this game, even though we'll come on to, you know, Liverpool and, of course, you know, how many players they've got African Cup of Nations and, you know, in, out injured themselves because I think we can hurt them. But there is concerns. There are, there are, there are. And looking at the um, formation that you played, it was good enough to actually take advantage of um, Liverpool's weakness at the back and score very early on. And uh, bear in mind that... Um, I know that Virgil van Dijk might have returned from injury and he could be expected to partner Ibrahim Kanate in the centre of the defence. Certainly no place for Kwanzaa, who was um, given a bit of a rough time by Arsenal in the FA Cup, although he eventually settled down and started to perform better. But obviously their weakness on the flanks could very well be um, exploited. So your best hope would be to go in with that 4-2-3-1 formation and just pick whoever really is fit, and also hope that you can try and choke the midfield without allowing them to go in. Because I know that they're going to play that 4-3-3 formation, obviously. And yeah. um, if they don't have Salah, then it's going to be uh, Diaz, Nunes, and Gakpo up front. Um, it will be McAllister. It will be Shabozlai. It will be Curtis Jones. Maybe Ryan Graven Birch could come on as a substitute. And uh, some other substitutes can also come on and uh, you know slow the game down. But if you allow the midfield to dominate, then, you know, you could be in for a tough um, battle because um, at least if you have two um, defensive midfielders and three attacking midfielders, you should at least in theory be able to try and get the better of them. Uh, I do seem to remember whenever we played our best football, it was, it was with that 4-2-3-1 formation. But since um, going to the 4-3-3, I mean, we've looked good against Liverpool in patches, but uh, when... It mattered. We were found wanting and we were quite lucky at Anfield in the league. We deservedly lost to them in the um, FA Cup. Yes, we won the first half, but then there's always a second half to be played. We allowed ourselves to switch off defensively and they took advantage of it. So you can't allow yourself to switch off defensively at any time. And um, all I can say is, you know, with regards to the defense, just um, stick a makeshift um, back four in and hope and pray. If you go to five at the back, you're asking for trouble. We, of course, um, Mo Salah won't be playing. He's playing for Egypt in the African Cup of Nations, um, and they do have a lot of injuries. Liverpool. So I'm optimistic. You know, despite this defence, you know, despite it being a bit makeshift, you know, 
I'm optimistic. You know, if the players, you know, stay in the same groove, you know, of course, Dominic Solanke as well, you know, has got something to prove, you know, and we'll come on to players that could be leaving in a moment because we need to talk about, you know, Solanke and, you know, what could happen with him. Um, but I think, you know, with the players going forwards, I think, you know, we've got enough to hurt Liverpool. And, you know, considering how well how well we've been doing recently. You do, you do, you do, you do. The only problem is um, Klopp is also going to be determined to try and make sure that the team don't concede too easily. And they've also got the little matter of protecting their lead at the top of the table. And uh, I think with Manchester City, of course, um, winning, not convincingly, mind you, but barely by the skin of their teeth at St. James's Park and the return of a certain Kevin De Bruyne to their team, they're going to start a run. I just wonder, though, if the uh, stutter that they've had at the very beginning or there thereabouts has cost them a little bit. We all remember how they lost to your former boss, Gary O'Neill, who drilled his Wolves side very well indeed. And they gave us... um, We were comfortable for the most part against them at um, the Emirates, but then we allowed them to come back into the game and they could have um, potentially snatched a draw. That was, of course, Wolves. So... All I can say is that be prepared to face a Liverpool team that will be determined to prove more than a few people wrong. Because don't forget, it's not just Salah. It's Endo who's at the um, Asian Cup. And Endo has certainly um, looked um, a lot better than when he first um, got into the team. Against Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park, he looked like a duck out of water. But then he has started to improve his performances and really grow into his role. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that he'd be a miss, but... You know, more than that front line is the midfield that you're going to have to worry about because if the midfield gets some, gets some traction going and they provide service to the front three, better watch out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's quite interesting, Endo. It was a player that, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans moaned about. But, um, you know, I think, he's, I think he's a shrewd bit of business. I think he's a shrewd bit of business. And, you know, um, you know I think sensible from Klopp. Klopp knows what he wants and Klopp, you know, has got a team that, you know, has been firing on all cylinders this year. And that's where my next question is going to really go because I was, I had the pleasure of going on the Anfield Talk uh, podcast, you know, great group of lads. Um, And one thing that they, I did ask them is that there's going to become a point that Liverpool got all these injuries. There's going to be a come a point where, you know, focusing on four competitions, they should get, let's be fair, they'll get to the Carabao Cup final. The FA Cup, they could come up against somebody tough. Um, still a long way to go. You've got the Europa League. You know, again, the still a lot of football to be played in that. And of course, their bread and butter, which is the Premier League. My thing, the question to them is, I don't think Liverpool have got the depth that a side like Manchester City have got. And Liverpool fans will be expecting a trophy. They will get, you know, a trophy of some sort, I'm sure, this season. But on the spin side of that, you know, the fixture congestion later on in the season, considering they've got so many injuries at the moment... 
where are they going to need to start thinking, right, okay, we need to rotate and rest players here to make sure that we're, you know, how do they target? So I don't think they can target four trophies, you know, in one season. I don't think it's, yeah, we've had the treble with Manchester City, but Manchester City have spent a ridiculous amount of money. Um, you know, the Manchester United team in 1999, you know, who won the treble, you know, it was a coming together and fantastic work by Alex Ferguson, you know, at that point. Um, I just don't think that, I think that they're going to come to a point where it's going to be very, very difficult for them to target, you know, as much as they can are, there'll be that fixture pile up and it's going to come to a point where they think, right, okay, we need to focus on the Premier League or rest players for the Premier League and focus on the Europa League. I'm sure the Premier League is their priority. Let's not forget, Craig, that Liverpool actually did make an attempt at doing the quadruple not too long ago. Yeah. It was a season, I don't quite remember the season, where they won the um, FA Cup, they won the League Cup, and if memory serves me right, they yeah they lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid and um, ended up being pipped to the league title by Manchester City. And I think at that time, you could possibly say that the squad they had then was um, at least marginally better than what they have now. Of course, at that time, they still had Jordan Henderson and Jimmy Milner and yeah. um, Bobby Firmino and a few other people there. And... Um, this time around, uh, it's a makeshift mid... Uh, I wouldn't say a makeshift midfield, but definitely a new midfield. And it is yeah. going to be a makeshift defence. What Klopp has been able to do is identify um, several youngsters in the uh, Liverpool academy and give them a few chances to play. And what he did against uh, Liverpool, uh, against Arsenal, mind you, was that he threw on the likes of Connor Bradley and others uh, to get um, a good 15-minute run out. And they actually had a pretty decent time of it. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, of course, that having beaten um, Arsenal, they will be facing, um, I think it was the win of the Bristol Rovers-Norwich City game. Norwich City won that, so Norwich City yeah. will be facing them in the next round. And, of course, having beaten um, um, Arsenal, you know, they will face Norwich City and maybe have a good time of it. And then, of course, um, the remainder of the draw will come in. There is a part of me that thinks that um, Klopp will probably give his youngsters... Um, the chance to um, play uh, the uh, cup games, especially the League Cup games. Maybe not the FA Cup so much if it's against a bigger team, but then mm-hmm. he's going to look to try to um, bring some more youngsters in, and he's doing really well. He'll be able to do quite well what Mikel Arteta hasn't done. And bear in mind, of course, a certain Harvey Elliott um, had the record of being the youngest ever Premier League player when he was at Fulham. That record, of course, was broken by um, Arsenal and Ethan Waneri when Arteta chose to bring him on, I believe that was at, um, I think that was last season he brought him on against Fulham. I don't quite, yeah, it was actually against uh, Fulham at the Emirates, a game which we won 2-1. And since then, Waneri hasn't uh, played a single premiership game. And there's a part, there are several of us who think, why would Arteta want to do something like that, if not just to gain the um, uh, publicity and the recognition of having fielded the youngest ever Premier League player and then hardly ever give him a game. And of course, um, Elliot obviously didn't play very much that season, but the following season he did well for Fulham. And then, of course, Liverpool were interested in him and they brought him in and the rest is history. Look at what Elliot's done. So Klopp has actually um, 
got his finger on the pulse when it comes to getting some youngsters in, and that's what he might choose to do. And let's bear in mind that um, I think during the period of the AFCON and the Asian Cup, which are going on, I think Liverpool's games, which they've got right now, should be fairly um, manageable games. In fact, I want to take a look at the, uh, um, the uh, run-in that they've got. And of course, and we all know the breaking news that um, their former skipper, Jordan Henderson, has in fact left his uh, Saudi Arabian club and gone to join um, Ajax Amsterdam. Never should have uh, joined Saudi Arabia in the first place. Yes, he wanted to leave Liverpool. Yeah. I was going to ask you that very, very question because it seems like everybody has jumped up, you know, in in the summer and gone, Saudi Arabia, that's where we want to be. You know, they're playing... You've got Ronaldo over there. Ruben Nevers has gone over there. Jordan Henderson, who else, you know, (laughs) has gone over there. Um, And the problem is with the Saudi Arabian League, I can see what they're trying to do. And, you know, it's fair enough, you know, fair play to them. However, there is a couple of things with this. Is A, I've been over, as you know, back in August um, to the UAE. Now, the UAE is right next to Saudi Arabia. And the heat over there was 41 degrees. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, it's 41 degrees over there at the moment. It's not. But still, it's a lot hotter than most places. And if you're playing in a small stadium in Saudi Arabia and you're from... a European club, you know, say, for example, you know, uh, an Englishman coming over to Saudi Arabia, it's going to be a struggle because we are used to snowy weather. We're not used to blistering heat. If you asked me and gave me a ball, Manny, and said, there you are, Craig, you know, in Abu Dhabi, play 19 minutes of football. I'd probably have given up after five, to be honest. It was that hot. Um, So that's one of the problems. But the second problem is you've got all these great players. Ronaldo, you've got Neves, you've got Jordan Henderson all over there. Now, they are individuals. And if anybody's seen the David Beckham documentary, this really highlights why Saudi Arabia isn't the right place for footballers at the moment is because the quality of the opposition that they're coming up against, you know, they could be, they're playing, you know, of course, against each other, but at the same time, they're playing against players that, you know, aren't of that level. You know, I'm not saying Saudi Arabian football's rubbish. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying the Saudi Arabian footballers are rubbish. What I'm saying though is, as a footballing country, they've still got a long way to go. And, you know, hopefully if any Saudi Arabians are watching this, you know, they, you know, will understand my reason that football in Saudi Arabia has still got a long, long way to go. And you can't go click your fingers, bring in all these players and have, you know, one of the best leagues in the world overnight, regardless of how much money you spend. If you spend £5.99 or 5 599 billion trillion. You know, that is, that's where English football has adapted over a period of time. The Premier League, you know, going back to when it was founded, you know, 
of course, we already had, you know, a top level division. You know, I remember, you know, the, the shows on Channel 4 showing Italian football and you used to love the likes of Sandoria and Fiorentina and you name it. But it was over time, it was over time that our league become as it was. A bit like, you know, over time, I think the Italian league has kind of digressed a bit. Um, and Saudi Arabian football might need to develop it's not saying it will never get there it needs to develop over a period of 10 years for example absolutely absolutely i couldn't agree with you more and um you know i will get 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 to your question um, get to this question before going back to liverpool's running and i will say that obviously you know with saudi arabia securing that shock result against argentina in the world cup Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, I did say would spur Argentina on to victory, and I did call you it. Um, did, yes. never, I'm, I'm never going to be tired of saying that. I, don't, <laughs> I know it's a case of blowing my trump, and people might be sick to death of me saying that, but, um, you know, I won't get tired of that. And, you know, that result really put them into the spotlight, and um, obviously mm -hmm. at that uh, sort of about that time, they um, saw this as an opportunity to try to promote that league and offer, you know, the ridiculous sums of money they're offering. I think it's fair to say that, um, yeah, there's still a long way to go. But this Saudi team, though, which um, beat Argentina, is a far cry from the team of 1994, which earned two wins in the group stage and qualified for the uh, uh, second round um, proper in 94. And, I, and so, some of those players, mind you, this current squad, quite frankly, couldn't hold a candle to them. And had the Super League been um, in and around that time, you could have seen those players really develop themselves and become real um, legends of the game. But of course, Saudi Arabia also used to host the Confederations Cup on several occasions. Yeah. And uh, so there is a history with Saudi Arabia. I think now they're trying to, you know, really cash in on it uh, a great deal more. But um, you're absolutely right. Some of the players, um, the local players, for example, just aren't really of the um, level as of yet. Um, you do have a few former internationals who are playing, but I think their best days are behind them. And so you see the gap in quality between those stars who are at the stratosphere and the local players, and this is no disrespect to them at all. Um, you know, you've got to find some sort of a middle ground, and this would have been a perfect league for, you know, um, other, um, you know, veteran players who wanted to have a kind of a payday to come and, you know, play. But when you try and get some of these big names who are, um, and sort of try and attract them with big fees. You just don't know how ambitious they are. And for Henderson to have taken the money and gone like that, I think obviously he's getting a lot of backlash, um, you know, for that, and rightly so. I mean, rightly or maybe not. Um, you know, given, given his um, status as a, an LGBTQIA ally in the UK, I think a lot of people were entitled to take a look at his move to Saudi Arabia as a bit of a betrayal. And uh, even not, not even he can deny that it's uh, that it was about the money because he should have known that in a in a, in a very culturally um, religiously strict country like Saudi Arabia, there's no way that um, you can get away with um, any alternative lifestyles as such. But uh, I mean, he went there for the money, and for some reason he couldn't settle. He decided that he couldn't hack it, and if he want, if he was serious about um a, uh, about being in contention to play for England in the Euros, he never should have taken the deal. He could have done what James Milner did and tried to look for another English club 
maybe follow Milner and Adam Lallana to Brighton and play, or maybe find some other um, club who would have been interested in him, or even another club in Europe, perhaps, and uh, maybe things would have been better. But, um, you know, it is what it is, and your concerns about the Saudi League are absolutely correct. There is a long way to go before the uh, league can be of uh, good quality. In fact, I believe um, Southgate made it crystal clear to um, Henderson that with the standard of football in, Sa in Saudi Arabia not necessarily being of um, the highest, to play there and expect to be uh, considered for England again and again and again wouldn't be fair. I mean, I know that Calvin Phillips is pretty much his own worst enemy now. Uh, Henderson's continue to play for England and do um, pretty well, but uh, there's no way that he will be able to continue, and I don't know if he'll be able to earn his 100th cap for the country, but we'll take a look and see. And just going back to Liverpool now, I want to take a look at their running because um, obviously um, after the uh, Bournemouth game on Sunday, they've got the uh, second leg of the League Cup uh, semi-final. Yep. They've got the fourth round of the FA Cup against uh, Norwich City. So that's another extended um, premiership break for a lot of teams. They return to the Premier League um, playing Chelsea at Anfield, a game which, is, um, which they're expected to win. And, of course, they go into the Emirates on the 4th of February to play Mylard Arsenal, uh, potentially without um, uh, Salah and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. But then Liverpool came to the Emirates and played us without Mohamed Salah, and they still beat us. And then, of course, Burnley, Brentford, Luton. So, listen, these are, with the exception of the Arsenal game, these are games right now where the absences of Endo and Salah might not necessarily affect them, and it will be a yeah. chance for other players to step up and play. In as much as Darwin Nunes, as your, uh, as your Liverpool friends will tell you, is maddeningly inconsistent, he does mm -hmm. have a happy knack of being able to um, score goals when um, the team needs them. The only problem is um, this season he's um, not really been able to score too many, but I think... Um, the game which comes to my mind is against Eddie Howe's Newcastle at St. James's Park, where I believe, um, uh, if memory serves me right, um, Liverpool had a man sent off and were 1-0 down, but then Nunes came on and uh, took those three points away and left the Geordies in tears. So this is going to be an opportunity, obviously, for the other players in the squad to stand up and make themselves counted. And one thing which I will credit Jurgen Klopp for is that he is a master motivator. Because if he can get um, a, a Salah-less Liverpool uh, and also a Liverpool that didn't have Ibrahim Kanate playing to beat us at um, the Emirates, there's no reason why he can't do well against uh, Bournemouth at Dean Corps. But of course, I will be hoping for obvious reasons that the Cherries can you know, cause an upset because we need to see an open race because Arsenal will depend on it. Aston Villa will depend on it. We've got Crystal Palace coming up this weekend on a, on a Saturday and anything less than a win, and our title ambitions are out. And to think, Craig, that you were predicting that Arsenal would win that win all this season. Well, you know, I, I to be honest, I, I, I thought you would at the start of the season. You know, yeah, I think it went off the boil. You know, um, end of last year, and I think again, it's when push comes to shove. You know, and things do get you know, difficult at the end of a season, um, you know, when there's a lot more on the line, sides do falter. Now, the the advantage Manchester City have got 
is they've got a huge squad. You know, of course, they've got those 115 charges. We'll come on to that as well, because I think that's a really good discussion point, is uh, Manchester City and what happens with them. But, you know, I think they have got that staying power. They have got that staying power because they've got such a large squad. Whereas, you know, sometimes I think when, when it gets tough at the end of the season, you know, the likes of Liverpool with lots of injuries and, you know, Arsenal with lots of injuries, um, you know, players losing form, players being fatigued, it can take a lot out of them. But I tell you what, let's bring it on to, you know, cherries that could be, you know, leaving the club because Bill Foley famously said that, you know, there wasn't going to be any, you know, there's not going to be many players out, you know, during this transfer window. You know, he hinted one and we knew who that player was. That was Lloyd Kelly. Um, Lloyd is still with the squad. Of course, he is injured. You know, it's not, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if he still left the club. Um, you know, but with the problems in defence, you know, I think we could potentially see some coming in. Um, so let's go through each one. The first one, of course, is Lloyd Kelly. Could you could you see him leaving? His contract's out at the end of the season. You know, it seems like it's hit a bit of a stalemate. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it all um, pick up and Lloyd will stay because I do like Lloyd um, as much as maybe he's maybe he has made mistakes he has made mistakes i think he you know is a good defender newcastle and spurs wouldn't be after him if he wasn't would they hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Not really, no. And um, this is probably where the um, uh, management, which includes Iriola and company, are going to have to sit down with him. And have a bit of a chat on uh, basically about his um, uh, about his future with the team and where he sees himself because um, mm. he is um, a more than decent defender. But there have always been some doubts about his uh, future with the club and whether or not he will be in the long term plans of um, Iriola and company. And obviously, the longer Iriola stays, the more he's going to want to try to you know, refresh the team, evolve the team more in his image. And um, it's sad, really, because Kelly has been a pretty good servant. He has, of course, he was, of course, um, captain of the club for quite some time before relinquishing that to um, Neto. And uh, it would be a bit of a, a shame to lose a servant like him. But uh, he's going to have to sort of be honest with himself and see um, if he really feels up to the challenge of staying at Bournemouth a little bit longer. 
I wonder if um, I still I will say fair play to him. He's been mm. certainly very professional since um, losing the captaincy and continued yeah. to do whatever he could to um, offer himself to the team and contribute in a in a more positive manner. But um, if the injuries are taking their toll, and if um, you know he feels as though he's uh, he might end up being phased out eventually, then maybe this could be the time to um, cash in on him. And it's sad, really, because in an ideal world, you would like him to stay. But given his age, I'm not sure that he would end up signing another multi-year deal if it meant um, staying at the club. And if anything, um, actually, you know what? He's only 25 years old, so he could yeah. sign a multi-year deal. Well, see, see, the thing is with Lloyd Kelly, you know, personally, I think he's either... He signs a deal because, of course, he's out of contract. I think if we might be thinking of Adam Smith here because Adam Smith, Smith has signed a new extension. Um, but with Lloyd Kelly, I think, you know, if he extends his contract, you know, during this window, we need, you know, that'd be brilliant. You know, I'm all for that. But if he's not going to extend, if there's no possibility of him staying at AFC Bournemouth, after the season, because he is out of contract, I would cash in. Really? I would cash in during this window because you don't want to lose him for nothing. You don't want to lose him for nothing. Every player's got a value. Um, you know, FFP, of course, we've, and we'll come on to that because actually it's a really good, interesting point that I want to pick your brains over, but I would cash in on Lloyd Kelly, but. We've already seen one player leave the club. Um, and, okay, it sounds like it's on loan. And there's other players as well that are mentioned on loan. But Joe Rothwell. And I think Joe Rothwell is a good midfielder. You know, he's not, you know, he, he's not the sort of player where you'll say, okay, he's the like, like Justin Cliver, you know, just things spectacular. He does the basics well. He's a good passer of the ball. You know, he can get the ball out to the wings and he's dependable. You know, he's not the fastest player in the world, but, you know, he is dependable. And he's gone to Southampton. And that was a bit of a shocking one for me because I thought that, I thought that, you know, in certain situations, he's the right fit. Exactly. I mean, he's made 11 appearances this current campaign, in fact, if you take a look at his stats. Mm -hmm. And um, two in the League Cup, obviously, and Bournemouth are no longer there. So why Iriola would see it fit to um, send him out on loan, I don't know. I mean, does he see um, a different um, shape of midfield? Does he, see, does he finally want to give um, uh, David Brooks more of a chance to uh, come back into the team and express himself? That was really, I have to say, a bit of a shock to me. And um, I'm not too sure why um, that would happen. Hopefully, maybe this is a sign. Maybe in some ways, Iriola still sees Rothwell as a part of his plans and will have him back the next season. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it really was surprising uh, to, to see him leave because he was certainly um, in some ways starting to become a more important player. Maybe it's a sign, though, that with the likes of Alex Scott re recovering well and coming back into the team, and, of course, Tyler Adams also set to um, return, uh, the likes of Cloyvert and company also um, doing really well. Tavernier still 
there and still playing and still doing very well. I thought that he yeah. would leave, but um, he's still very much there. And, um, you know, Rothwell should be coming back. But, you know, if you do decide to cash in on Kelly, that would be one thing. But also bear in mind, Craig, that um, if you want to cash in on Kelly, you aren't going to have to sign another defender because um, the crisis Agreed. that you've got means that... Um, I mean, I get wanting to sell before you can buy, especially if I don't know, um, I don't really know how, how much in terms of uh, money um, Foley will be offering Iriola this um, January to try and spend on players if need be. But uh, you might need to get a defender. So if you do decide to cash in on Kelly, you're going to have to get a replacement. It could very well be that Kelly might end up signing a one-year extension the closer we get to the end of the season. And then might end up staying for a little bit and then you can possibly try and sell him because in the summer you can then look to further extend the squad. So I know, I know you'd like to cash in on him. I'm thinking maybe he'll leave at the end of the season, but then if he does get to sign a contract extension, that might actually be the better thing for both them, both parties. And maybe Kelly will feel as though he might have something to prove in a way. Wow. Um, you did mention David Brooks there. And that's quite an interesting one because David Brooks has also been linked. Now, this is, I kind of, and I was speaking to Matt about this the other day, and we had quite a detailed conversation about David Brooks um, because he is wanted by both Southampton and Leeds. And it sounds as if David Brooks is going to be allowed to go on loan. Now, I, everybody knows I really rate David Brooks. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that I want, you know, wanted him to get a lot more time than he has. But, you know, my my question, my thought is, of course, he, he didn't play very much last season. You know, he's had uh, Hodgkin lymphoma. You know, he's recovered from that, thankfully. He's got the all clear. But, you know, has he recovered, you know, to the level that Iriola wants him to? Because... In reserve games and friendly games, he's looked very, he's looked outstanding. You know, he's looked a good, good player. But do you think that Iriola is thinking, right, okay, give him a loan, you know, to get this fitness back to peak performance? Or, you know, it'd be crying shame if David Brooks's time is, you know, going to be limited here. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd be quite disappointed and quite sad about that to be honest oh me too mate me too if i were um a bournemouth fan especially you know given the sentimental nature of his um return to the team the quality he has and how much it meant to the fans and and to him i wouldn't want to see him leave either but football can be a bit of a ruthless business sometimes mm -hmm. and um i do see the merit in sending him on loan but uh there's also a part of me that feels that he does have a lot more to offer Bournemouth. And if Bournemouth were to suffer some more injuries in, in midfield, could they afford to lose anymore? I mean, sending Joe Rothwell away um, just uh, down the road to Southampton was a huge shock to my system personally, because I never thought that um, Rothwell would have been uh, considered, you know, not necessarily surplus to requirements, but maybe um, Iriola didn't really consider him, you know, to be fitting into that system. And I think that's a bit of a shame. Maybe 
Rothwell did play quite a few games, but then that was during a period where Bournemouth weren't doing too well. And uh, maybe Iriola wants the likes of um, Brooks and Rothwell to um, sharpen themselves up a bit away from the goldfish bowl that is Dean Court. But it's a risky strategy because, again, you know, injuries are going are to play a part. They will take their toll. And you just um, have to assume that someone else will end up um, falling down. It could be... Um, it could be Lewis Cook. It could be Ryan Christie. It could be someone else. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, Christie is very much an international for Scotland, very much involved with the team. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a bit of a risky strategy. And both of these guys, Craig, are in their mid-20s. So you mm-hmm. would think, in theory, that they could... Um, these are the types of players who could sign um, multi-year deals at any club, but nobody would bat an eyelid. Yeah. And the fact that there's so much doubt about their futures here, I think it's sad, really, to see um, ha- see the situation the way it is and how, um, in Kelly's case, he might have perhaps declined a little bit and is trying to push himself back up. And in Brooks's case, obviously being out for a long time, but beating cancer inspirationally and then coming back um, doing as well as he can, but maybe it isn't quite good enough. There is a part of me that hopes that both Rothwell and Brooks will stay, uh, uh, will stay at the club and Kelly also will, um, you know, um, find find a way to stay and maybe um, get back to some semblance of the form that he showed. But in a way, it shows um, how ruthless Iriola is in a way. And one thing I can tell you about some of these Spanish managers, they're going to try their best to um, help players around. But they're yeah. also going to be professional enough to try and say, you know what, I've got to put the club first. And it's going to be difficult to try and tell a certain player, son, you're not going to be a part of my plans going forward. But that's a decision that Iriola is making. And um, maybe now he feels that with the club um, heading upwards on a trajectory, this could be a time to, you know, really start thinking about all of these things. Ideally, he'd wait until the end of the season. But maybe he wants to try to do it um, now and see if he can improve the team now and make sure that they can... Mm -hmm. Um, possibly rise a little bit higher. We don't quite know. We'll have to see. Talking about risky strategies, and we'll come back to players that might be leaving the club. But personally, this could be a risky strategy. Um, Now, there's not been much about, you know, how much this player would cost. There's not much about how much this player will be on. What we do know about him is he's a midfielder, so it might be a case that he would come in and would he start? You might think he possibly could do. He could go on loan, and what has been rumoured, that he might go on loan to Hibs, um, you know, of course, some a team that Bill Foley is looking at. And, of course, Lorient, like I had the guest Nicholas on um, a couple of weeks back, Lorient are in dire trouble. You know, it might be a loan that would benefit them. But 19 years old, midfielder, um, Oscar Zambrano, uh, Ecuadorian midfielder. It looks like Bournemouth have basically got this wonder kid from Manchester under Manchester United's nose. Wow. Yeah, but like I say, it's a risky, risky strategy because you bring in a player like that. Now, it's not necessarily 
he'll go out on loan because we're already loaning out midfielders. If he comes into the squad, he's either got to be really, really, really good or Iriola's just taking a huge risk. You're taking a look at Zambrano's um, stats right now. Five mm. foot nine, 1.76 meters, midfielder. Sort of medium height, as it were, average height. Um, played about, um, I mean, he was in the um, LDU Quito youth team for several yeah. years before breaking into the first team. And uh, this would be a risk, definitely, because um, 19 years old. Um, is it a Brighton-type risk, though? Because, let's be honest, Brighton have benefited from doing this sort of thing. But really, how good... You know, really, how good is the Ecuadorian league? You know, at this point in time, can we effectively let a player like Joe Rothwell, you know, go out on loan? Or maybe, you know, even sell him in the summer? You know, and bring in this youngster who's never played in the Premier League, has played in... Again, you know, I'm all about, and everybody will know this, I'm all about players coming in who've played a decent standard of football. You know, if you've played in, you know, the San Marino National League and you think you're going to walk into the Premier League, uh, that's not going to happen, actually. But, you know, if, if that was to happen, I don't think it should because you have to build yourself up to play at the top flight of English football. and there's certain leagues that, you know, it can happen from, you know, it can happen from the championship to the Premier League. Fine. Players do that all the time through promotion. You know, it's Italy, Germany, Spain, France, all the ones that you expect. But again, this is a huge risk because it might not come off. It might not. It might not. And uh, this particular guy, though, um, interestingly enough, has actually um, been called up to the uh, senior Ecuadorian um, team. Yeah. And he was actually in the squad for two World Cup qualification games against Venezuela and Chile. Although I don't think he um, made an appearance or got off the, um, the field. I'll have to check the uh, match results and um, tell you in a way. But, uh, you know... It's a type of strategy that re that could either really work well or could fall flat. And for a 19-year-old, maybe there's a there's a there's um, a sense in that you know taking a punt on him and asking him to come into the team and try and play, you know he would at least be guaranteed some more playing time at Bournemouth than he would at Manchester City because we all know that City will oh, sign him. That are after him. Yeah, yeah, United, United. Yeah, yeah, United possibly could have signed him, but there isn't a guarantee that they would have, you know, thrown him into the team. I know that they've got some problems with the aging nature of their midfield. Casemiro and Christian Eriksen are not exactly spring chickens, and even no. Bruno Fernandez is also starting to get on just a little bit, you could say. But um, you know, if um, this guy Zambrano would have been brought, brought purchased by United, I don't think he would have seen first team action immediately. No. I think the prospect of um, playing maybe a few games at Bournemouth might uh, tempt him. Maybe it's an example, in a way, Craig, of Iriola wanting to start to stamp his mark and try and really, you know, um, mould the team a little bit, sort of help the team evolve and bring more of more, 
you know, flair into the team as a part of the way he wants to play. And it started to work really well. And so when you lot travel to uh, Molyneux to um, face your old manager again, I think revenge will be on the order. It will be very interesting to see how well you do against his 3-4-3 formation. But yeah. hypothetically, if Zambrano were to be signed in the January window and he were to play a few games with the option to um, possibly um, either continue it or maybe loan him for a season or, the, or maybe uh, move him on, I don't know. I guess, um, you know, it's a case of saying, what do you really have to lose? I mean, I'm not going to tempt fate. I don't see Bournemouth getting relegated, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a way of freshening things up. And one thing which I would like to see, though, is Iriola using this energy to try and um, rejig the defence, because you mentioned there's going to be a makeshift defence. With injuries to Kirkies and Lloyd Kelly, the prospect of having someone like a Dongo Tara at left back does not um, make you very happy. I mean, look, we've we've suffered enough with um, Alexander Zinchenko, Jakub Kivior, and these guys, neither of them can cut the mustard in that position. So I think Iriola needs to get a defender. And Zambrano is really one of those purchases, which is a bit not only a bit of a risk, which could work, it's also one of those um, purchases perhaps which makes you think, now of all times yeah exactly exactly um i guess you know it, it depends how much he comes for but i think you know we need we need players and i completely agree with you defender and we'll talk about another player in a moment um a defender is you know paramount because chris metham is being linked with sheffield united now this is a deal that I think I wouldn't be against. I wouldn't be against um, because I don't think Chris Metham is up to the level task. But again, like you've just said, Manny, you know, and like I've been saying to all the Bournemouth fans recently, we need defenders in there before we do this because. You know, letting Chris Metham go is, well, you know, who's to say that we're not going to get injuries, you know, in that defence? We've already got a depleted defence, so we need to get some more strength and more depth in that defence before we let Metham go. But if we do, out of the two, I'd rather keep Kelly and let Metham go. I'd agree with you. And it is, of course, difficult because, um, you know, Mepham is also in his mid-20s. Mm-hmm. He's also the third captain. Yeah. Played already, already played 102 league uh, two appearances. He's already played 102 times in the league for Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the sad part is that as a full Welsh international, you'd think there'd be a little bit more in terms of quality about him. But uh, I think... Uh, if you, I think taking a look right now, um, maybe some of the injuries that he sustained. I think he he had a a knee injury in two as as um, long back as 2020, um, three years ago, more than three years ago. In fact, in January 2020, I don't know if he's necessarily the same. Mm-hmm. And um, it could very well be, mind you, that um, if he's not going to get any um, game time under Iriola, 
then he will obviously want to try to look to gain some uh, game time, especially with Wales still harboring ambitions of qualifying for the European Championships themselves. They weren't able to qualify from their group stage, but due to some permutations, they still have some chance of making it, even if it means having to go through um, a great deal of other loopholes or whatever, playoffs and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Mepa might want some game time. So I, w I would say that um, if you need... if, if if Iriola, and a lot of you think that he is not of the um, level that you need and he isn't going to be um, uh, good enough going forward, then you will need to move as quickly as possible to cash in on him. And also, as you agree, get some uh, get one or two defenders on the books to um, help um, you know, shape up the squad. And if you choose um, Kelly over Mepham, maybe um, Kelly would be the one to keep. It's going to be sad for Mepham because um, you know he would have... Uh, I mean, obviously, Mepham is a big part of the leadership group now, currently. But, you know, he, um, there is no room for sentiment in football. And you sometimes have to consider what might be the uh, best decision to make for the club in that respect. And that is where um, Iriola can be ruthless. So all of these players you've mentioned so far will certainly get to have uh, some discussions with the boss. And they will obviously you know, um, have a good talking to about their futures um, at the club and there will be um, a resolution for them. I would say that, you, just briefly, I do apologise, mate. I would say very briefly that you cannot afford to lose um, too many players in certain positions if you don't have enough players to back them up. And so that is why you've got to tread very carefully when it comes to letting players go in certain positions. Um, I mean, losing Rothwell is one thing. To lose Brooks might be another. It could leave the midfield a little bit more weakened. And um, if, you're, if you already have a weakened defence, can you afford to let both Kelly and Mepham leave? Um, it, it's sad, really, because I think Mepham, in some cases, has been a good performer for Bournemouth. Maybe yeah. not to um, Kelly's level, per se. Maybe, he has, maybe Mepham hasn't really been able to rise to another level as such. But he could do a job. And ha yet, having said that, you know, sometimes managers have to be a little bit ruthless. I'm just surprised, um, in a way, that Iriola might choose to be ruthless now. But, um, you know, you're going to have to think about this. And Mepham might maybe decide that a change would do him good. He might also want to leave. A loan deal with an option to um, buy would be uh, not too bad, maybe. But... Uh, I mean, how long does Mepham have left on his um, contract? By the way, he, he's got he's got plenty of time, um, but I, I think it's a case that I just don't think he's up to the level. I don't think he's up to the level. Sheffield United, of course, is the club that you know are after him, and hand on heart, I would let him go. This is a good time to cash in on him when he's yeah. got um, years left on his contract. Mm -hmm. And at least he can be sold for some dosh, which can come back to you in a way. Well, there's one player that we don't want leaving. And, you know, Bill Foley made it quite clear. And I think this might have been why he come out and said, he's not going, you know, we're not selling. We're keeping, all, you know, the door shut. Dominic Solanke, um, now hand on heart... Does Dominic Solanke want to go to Arsenal or, you know, Chelsea or 
Man City will make. I think he probably will do, but he's a professional. You know, he's a good lad, and you know he will continue doing. You know, he's not going to mope about this. But I think we need to. You know, the door is bolted shut. I think sixty million is not enough. I think you know for what he does. Dropping back, creating so much more, Clive at Billing, bringing them in into it. Um, secondly, we haven't got the strength. If you know, somebody said, "Oh yeah," and I saw, I saw the comment, and they said, "You know, this young striker looks really, really good." And my thing is, yeah, it's all well and good again buying a young striker, but you need somebody who is proven. You can't throw, you know, a 19, 20 year old up front, you know, in the Premier League. You need somebody who's proven. You can have them as a backup card, and you know, I don't mind having, you know, Solanke more and then this young striker who comes on and proves himself like Eddie Howe had, you know, where he had Dominic Solanke as the young striker and had Callum Wilson and Josh King up there. And the same with Lise Mousse when, you know, he was at the club. But personally, I think, you know, that would be a risk. Well, it, 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 I think it would be, you know, footballing suicide really to actually, replace a player like Solanke with a youngster um, you know and what we really need is an extra striker you know bring him in you know as a third you know as a third cog you know keep a more target man get the balls in you know I'm not for him leaving the club you know some others will be because he's not fast you know but he, he offers something different when you're chasing a game Dominic Solanke drops back, creates things. Semenyo can do that sort of footballer as well. And then a youngster, you know, fair enough. You know, that would be fine, have a youngster in there. But Dominic Solanke has to stay, you know, during this January window, would you agree? And the only time, if Dominic Solanke wants to leave in the summer... I would let him go when you've got enough time to actually find a somebody to replace him because you might get 60 million or 80 million from Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool, you name it, whoever. Um, but then you've got to spend a fair size of chunk of that on finding the proper replacement because a youngster for one million pounds who's never played a game of Premier League football is not the answer in this division. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it's really funny that about Solanke, I wouldn't say fun, not, not really a, um, the right word to say. This guy was on the books at Chelsea and Liverpool mm -hmm. before coming to Bournemouth. Never made a single league appearance at Chelsea. Played 21 times in the Premiership for Liverpool across two seasons and left the club before they went on to win the Champions League in 29... I think 2020 was when they won it. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think... I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think back now. Um, but, yeah, it, it wasn't It wasn't that long ago, was it? It was... Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. And, uh, and, and, I, and I'll tell you... I think. Uh, no, it was 2019, so... Um, yeah, 
yeah, the thing is, though, he didn't make a single appearance um, for Liverpool at all. And um, I think, I don't know if he was, um, you know, injured and un um, simply not available, maybe, or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. he, he never played in that season and he missed out on being, um, on being a Champions League winner and then end up, ended up coming to Bournemouth. Maybe he feels as though he, he can, he, he, his mind might be thinking two things. I don't know which one of them, but this uh, one thing might be, I've had stints at Liverpool, Chelsea and Liverpool, never really made my mark. I don't want to be in a situation where I go to another big club and more is expected of me and things don't go, go too well. I'm happy here at Bournemouth and I want to stay and I'm not leaving. Or another thing could very well be, Maybe it didn't work at Chelsea at Liverpool at Chelsea or Liverpool, but maybe if I don't take a chance to join a big club, I might regret it at this particular time. This bloke, who was also born in Reading, and I know that there's yep. a wonderful Reading connection with you, Craig, mm -hmm. has also been capped by England, although he made um, a substitute appearance in the uh, 75th minute in a friendly against Brazil at Wembley in 2017 yeah. and was never called up since. Mm -hmm. And so since then, he's had a long struggle. So it was six years then between that, uh, that call up and now. And so in that five or six years, those five or six years, he's been sort of trying to find his game, trying to um, really um, find out where he would fit in. And he's found something good at Bournemouth. So, there's a part of me that thinks that um, I wouldn't, um, if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't want to stay. I'd want mm -hmm. to keep proving myself at least for one more season and then maybe explore an option. But yeah. especially, you know, if there's no real chance of him being called up by England sometime soon, especially as long as, you know, the likes of um, Harry Kane and others are still very much in the, in the picture. Mm -hmm. um, why would I want to try and, uh, you know, jeopardize um, a good thing going on at Bournemouth? And we were interested in him, of course, as you know, yeah. because there has been talk about us possibly trying to go in for a striker rather than having to um, depend on Gabriel Jesus and Edward and Ketia, neither of whom have been prolific this season. Um, there's, still, there's still been talk about us trying to get Ivan Tony. I don't think that'll happen. And there's also some talk about how we're not really going to go for a striker. We're going to keep faith in what we have. It's, all, it's, it's completely muddled. And if I was Solanke, I'd say, no, I'm staying here at Bournemouth. So I also get the point that he does have um, a great dear, great number, uh, number of years left on his um, contract with the Cherries. So it could be a good time in theory to cash in on him. But you are also right to say, no, he's our best player this season. He's been the one who's made us, you know, um, play as well as we have. And he's been a big part of our revival in the middle part of the season. Why would we want to let him leave and put ourselves at risk? Especially since another one of your strikers, Antoine Semenyo, is also at the AFCON playing yep. against Mohamed Salah tonight as we speak. In fact, an <laughs> update from that match I can tell you is that Ghana are actually leading Egypt in, a, in an absolute um, shocker, really. Um, this Egyptian team is a star-studded team. I believe they <laughs> reached the um, uh, uh, final last time around but failed to do so. Um, West Ham United's Mohamed Kuda scoring in uh, stoppage time at the end of the first half. Aren't they that you know just seem to have so much quality, but just you know lack that just edge. It's a bit like Belgium, really. 
to get themselves across the line. Oh, you bet, you bet, you bet, yeah. you bet, you bet. And this team, mind you, have um, won so many African uh, Cup of Nations tournaments. They weren't able to qualify for World Cups, but they did mm. qualify in 2018. I think um, a large number of those players who were, I mean, several, some of those players, of course, who were stalwarts in that team, like um, Esam Al-Hadri, the goalkeeper, have since retired. But is this still a more than decent team? I mean, yeah. my own midfielder, Marmon Elneny, is still a big part of that, despite not getting too much game time at Arsenal. And then, of course, you've got uh, Hassan Fathi and a few others, Ahmed Hagazi. Um, these names uh, tend to roll off my tongue. Do forgive me for that. They've also got a player named Trezeguet, not that Trezeguet. Yeah. But anyway, um, without um, you know, digressing too far, I mentioned that Semenyo is in the, mm. in the Ghanaian squad. And I don't know if he's... Uh, he is, in fact, starting tonight. Yes. So it's uh, Semenyo against uh, uh, Mohamed Salah. And at the moment, Semenyo seems to be coming out on top. So you can't afford to lose Solanke. I'm sorry, yeah. you can't. And um, if you do lose him, who can you get to replace him? So as far as Solanke is concerned, End of discussion. He's not for sale. Tell Completely. Arsenal and those big boys, hands off our boy. There we go. And that, go, and that goes for Chelsea too. If Chelsea are interested in him, him, you can very well say, to heck with you. You had him, one, had him for a season or two. You never <laughs> treated him properly. Why do you want him back? Off with you. Exactly, mate. Exactly. You heard Manny there. Solanke is not for sale. <laughs> Before we wrap up, um, let's cover off one other story as well that's coming out, which is FFP. Um, okay. Everton have been done again, as have Nottingham Forest, and Manchester City is delayed to a later date. They think it is going to be autumn 2024, by which time we'll be in the 24-25 season. There is uproar at the moment from the Everton fans, which I can fully understand exactly why there is uproar from them. Because, you know, I would be fuming in that situation. Forrest, I think, are taking it on the chin a little bit more. But, of course, they haven't already had a 10 points deduction that Everton have. And, of course, then there's the small question of Chelsea. Um, the Premier League's in a mess, isn't it? You bet. Absolutely. And it just goes to show that, um, you know, you can buy your way to success, but um, in the long run, it will come back to bite you if you don't um, do things by the book. And um, the FFP issue, obviously, is something which is affecting quite a few other clubs in the Premiership. Obviously, the concerns surrounding FFP are what are affecting our activity. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're so concerned about P, uh, F, um, FFP, do not think of, of shelling out 105 million quid to get Declan Rice, which yeah. is, I did, um, admittedly, you know, it's a good buy, but then spending about 70 million to get Kai Havertz in the team. Two cups down the drain, Kai Havertz failed again and again. And, uh, you know, he's starting to score a few more goals and having people saying, oh, we really think that there's a player in him. Mm. To heck with that. He was stinking out the gaff at Chelsea. He's living off the memories of that Champions League um, final winning goal for quite some time now. And, you know, there's just nothing in him that is really able to um, suggest to me that he can be good for us. It reminds me a lot of another German, Skodran Mustafi, who did really well at Euro 2016 for Germany. And I thought we were getting a really fine player on our books. 
And um, he turned out to be absolutely awful. And with regard to the FFP, it's always going to be a question of how wisely you spend your money. And we spent our money absolutely horribly in many cases. And it could affect us um, going forward if we're not careful. And, um, you know, one of these days, Craig, um, our club is going to have to have an audit of our own finances to just find out, you know, how we're spending our money and where the hell it's exactly going. And I sympathize in many ways with um, Everton because there's a part of me that thinks that they were, you know, sold up the river by an overambitious owner who probably wanted too much too soon. And it's the same issues which... um, affected Portsmouth a great deal because we all remember what happened to them. FA Cup winners under a a certain Henry James Redknapp, but then sadly and tragically um, the dream, you know, turned into a nightmare. They went into administration um, despite reaching the um, FA Cup final again in 2010. They were relegated and you know, they were all they went all the way down to um I think they're in are they in League One now or League Two? They're League One. Yeah, League well they did go all the way down to League Two and actually they were struggling down the bottom of it. And oh yeah. The whole football yeah. pyramid needs looking at. Um, you know, you've got the situation at Reading, which of course I've covered extensively. Um, you know, considering there's there is my roots there. Um, you know, The Everton situation is shambolic. How can you dock points for Everton when you've got a side like Manchester City with 115 charges? Um, I think, to be honest, if the Premier League chief executive, Richard Masters, goes anywhere near Goodison Park, he's going to get absolutely lynched. I don't know if you can necessarily say that, mate, but you're absolutely um, correct in saying (laughs) that the anger that Everton fans will feel towards him will be justifiable. But um, and I agree with you there. I mean, it, you can't it can't be selective justice for no. you know different clubs. You've got to have the same barometer being applied. And I think a lot of people, of course, have been licking their lips at the prospect of you know City potentially losing some of their silverware. And it's happened before, mind you, because if you um, mm. I don't know if you might remember the uh, early '90s and what happened to Marseille when. Yeah. It was a, it was found that they had um, apparently colluded with another club to influence the result of a game. They literally um, had the book thrown at them, and mm. they lost a lot of their um, titles, I think. And uh, they, I don't, I don't remember if they lost their titles, but I think I believe they were, of course, demoted, and uh, they had to fight their way to come back. So. If the Premier League are serious, they will, you know, take the issues against uh, Manchester City very seriously indeed. And if there are serious charges, they'll throw the book at them. I feel sad for Everton, uh, Everton in a way, but as far as Forrest are concerned, it's another sign that, you know, you earn promotion um, back to the Premier League after several years. You have this dream of wanting to really, 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 um, you know, um, build on that and try and um, have a a star-studded team and get some players to come and play for them. And, you know, this season, in fact, they've got the World Cup winner Gonzalo Montiel and uh, yeah. um, another midfielder, Sangare, from PSV, who is also at the AFCON with the Ivory Coast to play. And uh, both of these guys could have played Champions League football for Sevilla and PSV this season, but instead they opted to slum it over in Nottingham. I think it might be because of the money, I don't know, but um, I would bet my right arm that if these charges come to fruition and Forrest are affected, 
you're not going to see the likes of Bontil and Sangare staying there for much longer, no. And so it just goes to show that, um, you know how we have a saying that um, your eyes are bigger than your tummy? Yeah. You cannot afford to put more food on your plate than you can actually eat. And you cannot afford to try and uh, do so much for the club in terms of buying players and expanding more when you don't have, um, you know, the money. And it's a shame that all of these um, smaller clubs are falling foul of these, um, you know, um, regulations and they could end up being severely punished. Mm -hmm. You know, one part of me says that examples have to be made, but there's another part of me that says, make an example of everyone. Don't just focus on the smaller clubs. And I really feel for Everton and how they were, you know, sold a dream. I really feel for how for, uh, for the Forest fans because it looks to me as though, you know, I can't believe that Steve Cooper, when he was, um, you know, manager at the time, had much of a role to play in all of this. And uh, no. I mean, I wonder, um, I mean, I know that your longtime captain, Steve Cook, was there for a season, didn't necessarily go too well, and yeah. now he's over at QPR. If you were to speak to him, he'd have a lot to say about the nonsense that's going on there. Maybe you could yeah. um, have him uh, uh, have him come on for an interview and just um, ask him about his time at the club and how um, he felt over there. Because I can't imagine he would have been too happy, to be honest. Well, Maranakis, you know, spent, I don't know how many players he's brought in, but it's a ridiculous amount. But I tell you what, let's wrap it up there. Um, Manny, it's great to have you back on and, you know, we're, we're going to make this more often. I know it's been very, very busy time, but yes, hopefully fingers crossed three points for the cherries, um, three points for Arsenal as well coming up. Um, and we shall see you in the next one. Remember to hit the subscribe bell, listen to us on Spotify, Apple music. If you want to hear mine and Manny's dulcet tones, you know, <laughs> um, and we'll see you in the next video. Thanks for joining us and see you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.